<laughs> you want your five-star matches? <laughs> you want your 30-minute classics? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> Good, ladies and gentlemen, this is Randall Beatley, and this is another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. As we have another episode for you, I'm a little hype right now. I'm recording this as NXT just went off the air, and we just saw a fantastic show. We'll talk about it here in a little bit um, as we... Uh, uh, talk about um, some stuff. We got a, a big show for you um, on this episode. Um, today, I went into our Discord, the, the casual community Discord that I'm in, and I asked everyone, hey, what are some things you might want me to talk about? I'm getting ready to record tonight, and and uh, uh, what's some suggestions? What do you guys want to hear about? So we got some of those suggestions. Um, we also got a bunch of other things that I had already planned on talking about. Um, and so with that, uh, we'll start with, excuse me, um, AEW Collision's debut episode, and I only watched a segment. I only watched CM Punk's opening promo. It didn't take a fucking rocket scientist to figure out that CM Punk was going to open the show. It, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. And so, I knew that if I tuned in right as the show started, I could see his promo, and then we'll see where it goes from there. So, I watched his promo. I thought it was fucking decent, right? It wasn't the best in the, in the world. It wasn't the best thing I've ever heard. Um, but you had the, the slight diss at the Elite, which I was all there for. Um, and he put on a decent promo, and it, it, and it was that, right? So then it turns into, we, we end that segment, right? It goes to commercial, I believe, and then it, it comes back, and I'm still watching, and I said, you know what, I'll give this a shot. But the problem is, and someone brought this up in the Discord, how many people on a Saturday night in the middle of, of June maybe have family over, maybe a friend's over, maybe you're at a cookout. How many people just turned off the show after CM Punk's promo and went back to daily life on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of the fucking summer? It is the CM Punk show. The entire premise of this show is CM Punk and that's what people want it to see I don't see how they can last forever in the ratings with this being a show primarily where people want to see CM Punk and when you give them CM Punk 
and the rest of the card just feels insignificant, how do you maintain ratings for the rest of the show? And so I I turned it off. I I watched about half of the first match. And it just, I I didn't care. As a casual fan of, 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 of the product, I just didn't care enough past watching CM Punk's promo. I didn't even care to watch his match because I really don't care to watch CM Punk wrestle from the parts that I went back and watched of his match. He was the sloppiest of the six people in the ring. And so I don't care to watch CM Punk wrestle. I personally have never been the biggest fan of CM Punk. I just wanted to listen to his promo to see what he wanted or what he would say. And so when you give that up front, you lose a big portion of your audience. And so I, I, I have some more questions when it comes to collision. The first thing is, is what we already addressed. How do you maintain ratings when this is the CM Punk show, right? How do you also not make this feel like this is just the ex-WWE superstars who we have no plans for on Dynamite? How do you get that taste out of out of a casual fan like me who feels like, oh, well, this is this is where they're just going to stick the island of uh, of unwanted toys that Tony Khan overpaid for, and 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 they don't, we don't have any place for them on Dynamite where the where the elite are, so we're just going to stick them on Saturday night, and and hope that they play along with it, because I I don't see this doing the numbers. They feel like it is going to, I meant to look this up on Monday. We're going to look it up right now. Um, uh, the ratings for the first show, um, I don't care about a review of it. I just want to see the ratings. Uh Let's see if I can find, I doubt we'll find, um, okay, uh, nope, that was, okay, uh, via Fightful AEW Collision had about 814,000 viewers. Um, which is very similar to um, what Rampage started off at. Um, so... I, I, I don't know. I just have this feeling that this is going to be a Rampage 2.0. You had, it's the debut show, so you can't like press the numbers too much on the debut show. People were going to tune in just to see what CM Punk was going to say. Well, now we're a week into it. I care about week two's results. So let me give an example, right? Let me give an example. Um, In the restaurant world, so there have been... Um, I used to work fast food, um, five years at Zaxby's and, uh, like four months at, at Culver's. 
Um, that's a whole different story. <laughs> um, but when I worked for Culver's, um, I was I was hired by uh, they they franchise every store every Culver's. If you know what Culver's is, every single Culver's, but like twelve in the entire country. And there's over like there's over eight hundred in the country, I believe, at this point. Um, every single one, but like twelve, is individually franchised. And maybe some franchisees have like two or three stores, but most are single independent franchises, except for the first 12, which are still owned by the corporation of Culver's. Um, so when I worked for Culver's, new owner was going to be a new store. We went to training for three months up at another store, and then we opened. Well, what they tell you uh, when they when they open, they send um, the corporate training team down to help with the first week because the first week opening any restaurant and um, is the busiest week, but they tell you not to base your numbers, not to base your scheduling, your hours. Uh, there's a lot to go into running a restaurant. Not to base your sales numbers on your first week, and they tell you not to even uh, test the numbers on on week two because week two is still going to be overinflated. But week one is the busiest week your restaurant will ever have. The first week that this store opened that I worked at. So we did our three months of training. We came back. We hired a staff. We trained them. Then we opened. Week one that we were open. First off, I worked 96 hours that week. And fucking sane, by the way. Uh, we'll probably never, ever do that again. Um, we did well over $120,000 um, in, that, in that first week. To, to put an example, most restaurants that are busy, like most fast food places that are busy and consistent, make somewhere between seventy and eighty thousand a week, right? If you're hitting seventy to eighty thousand a week, that's about five million dollars in sales, um, a year, right? So that's very good, right? Now, what what the training team that we had the first week told us is. You did about 120 the first week. Cut that in half. That's what you're going to average once you slow down. Like once you get two months into, once you get about a month, two months into it, right, then you're going to hit your average, right? But you can't go off of the first week because it's new. People are going to try it out. A lot of marketing went into it, right? And so as as the right, as the restaurant you know, as people started get, getting used to it being there, we went from 120,000 to to like 50, 55,000, I, I believe. About a month into it, we were hitting about 55,000, maybe less than that a week. Um, as 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 people, you know, you know, it wasn't super. Um, and we were busy all all the damn time, but. I mean, we, we weren't as busy as week one, right? And so the point that I'm trying to get at is week one of, of collisions over, but you can't go off of the 814,000. Now, I'm not saying cut it in half, but what I am saying is that may be the best collision you'll ever have. That may be the best ever episode of collision you'll ever have. Now, TV's a little bit different. What I want to see with week two is, can you maintain that audience? 
can you maintain 800,000? Like, can you maintain... Hell, even if they could get, like, six to 700,000 consistently. Like, this doesn't have to be hitting uh, dynamite numbers every single week, but can you maintain an audience? Um, and I just, I just personally, I don't see a way that they do it. I'm, I'm willing to give it a month, but I believe sometime in the next month, month and a half, they'll be down in the 500,000 viewer range and, 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 and consistently 400, 500. I don't think they maintain close to a million. Um, I just, I just don't think that that's that, that people care enough about Saturday wrestling. So that's Collision. I'm done talking AEW for this show. <laughs> um, so we're going to go into the two questions, the two suggestion topics that the Discord asked me to cover. Um, and so the first one is name my top, I think they said top five. I'm only going to give five. Uh, jobbers slash enhancement talent. And then the other one is name the greatest faction of all time. That one's the trickier one. We'll do that one second. So top, my top five jobbers. Now, I'm going to go with wrestlers that I have personally seen. I hate when people do all-time list and they list and they were born in like 92 and they list wrestlers from the 80s on an all-time list. Like unless you're talking about Hulk Hogan, which we've all seen, but like I understand in an all-time list like using history. But when you ask me like the top jobbers, I can only go off of my experience. So all of mine are from 2014 to 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 present day. We can talk about Brooklyn Brawler and Barry Horowitz and Gilberg and and um, guys like that who were fantastic enhancement talents who probably deserved a lot more credit than they're they're given. Jimmy Wang Yang and guys like that. I didn't gr- I didn't watch them. And so I can't say that, hey, they're on my list. And so my, now, now the question that I have, and I'm going to cheat a little bit, is I'm going to, to formulate my own definition of enhancement talent slash jobber. Because I, 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 think, I think there's a lot of guys. First off, definitions are important, and so... How I view something may be different than how someone views something. So when I think of jobber, I think of someone who consistently loses and their entire point of being on the show is to lose or to make someone else look look better, right? Um, and so I have six people, actually. I know I said five, but I have six people that... I can think of over the, from 2014 till present day, I would put as the top jobbers of, of, of since I've been watching wrestling. I don't care about all time because you're never going to make people happy with, with an all time list. You're just never going to do it. So I'm going to do my opinion since I've been watching wrestling since 2014, 
who have been the best enhancements slash jobbers in that in that period of time over the last essentially nine to ten years. And so the first one on my list, none of these are in order, by the way. I, I'm not going to say one's better than the other. Um, so the first person I'll name may quite honestly be the best one. And that's our truth. That's our truth. Our truth made the um, 24-7 championship what it is today. Um, and, and well, what it is today now is, is extinct. It doesn't exist. But without our truth that title would have been gone after like a month, right? Our truth is just hilarious. He's always been hilarious. I think he deserves more credit than what a lot of people give him. Um, he, I know he gets cheered a lot, but our truth quite possibly could be the best sort of enhancement talent. He's g- one of the best on the mic. Let's just be honest. He's really good still in the ring for his age and dude just is, he's just killing it, man. And, and, and I hope I get to see, we, I hope we get to see him back here soon. I know he got hurt some in his visit to NXT last year. So I hope he, uh, he, he, he gets to feeling better. Um, on that same topic, I know I said six, but as I continue to talk, I keep thinking of people. So now I have seven. So, so number two that I'm going to list in that same area is Akira Tozawa. Akira Tozawa is a comedic genius at times, right? And, and, and he, he comes in, he loses every single match he's in, but he's funny. He does very good at enhancing segments. Um, his match with Rhea Ripley was comedic genius. It was fantastic. Um, right? So, so there's that. So the third person I'll mention on this list and I don't know if I really want him on the list, but he was the first name I thought of when this question, uh, well, second name I thought of. The first one I'll talk about here in a minute. Um, he was the second name I thought of when this suggestion was asked, and that was James Ellsworth. Like, James Ellsworth, the, the chinless wonder, uh, it literally made up like a year of WWE booking in the women's division with Carmella and, and benefited a lot with, with the, like it did a lot better than I assumed that it was going to do. And, and, and so I got to give him the credit as well as, as the, whoever was helping to produce those segments because they were funny and they were great. Eventually it ran its course, but we, we have to give James Ellsworth his recognition for what he did in the year that he was, was in WWE. He was he was pretty fucking good. Um, the next person that I'll mention, this is when you think back on his career. This is the guy who should never have been considered enhancement talent, but that's all he was. That's Damian Sandow. Like Damian Sandow is one of the biggest waste of talents that WWE had. Dude was so fucking good. His run as Miz uh, as Mizdow was fan fucking fantastic. He should have won a t- at least one title, and then they they re- they either released him or they didn't resign him. Something that I don't understand. Like, how do you let that guy leave? He's so good, and 
yeah, he has to be for me on this list. The next guy, I'm going to give you a hint. You're, I want to see how quickly it takes for you to guess this guy. He had like a 263 loss streak, right? That, to the point that that literally became his gimmick. Every time he would lose, the streaks, like, it was like literally like 200 plus matches. And then he finally got a, mo- I think he finally won a match at a WrestleMania. It's Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins is fucking great. Kurt Hawkins was great. Like, like, if you needed someone to put on a very good match and take the loss, Kurt Hawkins would do it. In that same boat, Zack Ryder has to be on this list. Zack Ryder has to be on the list. Right? He could put on great matches. He could lose with the best of them. Right? So, the last one I'll mention, I don't want to take too long on this segment... Um, when the question was first asked, the first person that I thought of is this person that I'm about to mention. Now I asked, does this person count? And this is why I said I was cheating because, because the person who asked this suggestion said, no, I'm, I'm thinking of like the Jimmy Wang Yang Funaki types. And, and I'm, I have to include this guy because if you're going to say jobber or enhancement talent, this may quite honestly be the only person like, like, if you could think of, if you had the name one, this would be the one of and the best enhancement talent in, in, in WWE from 2014. To, and really, if you say all time, I'm sure there's someone better. But, like, the first name that I thought of when I saw jobber slash enhancement talent was Dolph Ziggler. Like, what else has Dolph Ziggler been doing? I get it. He's had mid-card runs. But for the most part in his career, he's an enhancement guy. And so I'm going to put him on the list. I, I, the, the people that I chose, they were more so mid-carders. I get it. But, but like I said, I'm not going to name someone I never want. I, I live by this thing where if you ask me like my favorite football player, I'm... I'm not going to name you a player from the 80s because I didn't watch football in the 80s. I didn't grow up and watch it. I didn't experience it. So it, that can't be my favorite player. I can only have a... F- I only base my favorites based on what I've been around to see. So I can't... We can sit here and talk about Funaki and Jimmy Wang Yang and all of these good enhancement guys that WWE has had, but if I didn't watch them, I can't put them on an all-time list. I just, I just can't, that's, I, that, that's one of the problems I have with all-time list, and like this whole debate of like, who's better, MJ or LeBron? Well, it depends on which era you grew up in. If you're an 80s kid, 99% of the time, I guarantee you, you're going to say MJ. Because that's who you grew up watching. Whereas the the, the era who chooses LeBron is my generation. Now, I wouldn't choose LeBron. In fact, I would probably choose Kobe over LeBron. Um, But... it it, Generations have different people and different things that they like. And and so I can't ever say that Michael Jordan's my favorite player of all time. Because I didn't watch Michael Jordan play. Right, I didn't watch him play basketball. Like I can't 
I'm a Celtics fan, so I can't claim Larry Bird, right? If if someone were to come up to me and interview me and say, who's your favorite Celtic of all time? The answer can't be Larry Bird. Can't be Bill Russell. I didn't watch them. Right? <laughs> if I had to answer it, <laughs> that's a tough question. Um... Boy, so I sort of grew up in the basketball. The Celtics were great. We had Ray Allen, Garnett, Pierce, Rondo was great uh, at times. Then we have Tatum now and Jalen Brown. If I had to pick my favorite Celtic that I've watched, it probably would have to be Garnett or Pierce. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I don't like picking favorite players. I just, too much goes into it, right? Uh, but, yeah, it would probably be Garnett or Pierce if, if I had to choose. Um, but, like, when you, so, like, I can't talk about wrestling in the 80s as, like, my favorite. Now, when you when you do, like, a, a Mount Rushmore, and, and you can understand, okay, well, Hogan has to be on there because he literally is the reason the industry is what it is today. That's an objective fact. I didn't have to watch that. And just because I say Hogan's the best to probably ever do it, and because he's the only reason the business is where it's at today, that doesn't mean he's my favorite. He's not on my top favorite list because I never watched Hulk Hogan in his prime. The thing with with Hogan is, is the dude continued to wrestle well well past when he should have continued to, to wrestle, right? So with my top jobbers, I'm I'm solid with my list. My with that. So now we'll go on to what maybe will be even harder to to dissect, which is who is the greatest faction of all time. This is the hardest thing to do because there's been so many good factions. So the the question that we have to do here, and again, definitions mean thing. What do we mean by faction? Is a faction two people? Is a faction three people? Does it have to be four or more? Like, what would we consider a faction? Um, and and so I went off the definition of it being three people or more. Um, and so um. This question is super hard to narrow it down to one. Now, I narrowed it down to three. I narrowed it down to three factions that I think could be at play for greatest faction ever. The recency bias, and this is why I will never put this person at, or this faction at number one, is because of the recency bias and that they're a current faction at the moment. It's the bloodline. I'll put them at three. I think that it's safe to put the bloodline three years into its run as the third best faction of all time. I don't think I can put it at one or two right now because it's still going on and it's hard to judge the legacy while it's still happening, right? But now the argument happens to who's the best. Now, there's two other factions. You put them in what order you think. But when you ask me, like, when I think of factions, there's, there's, there's two that I think of. Immediately in all time history of, 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 uh, 
of, of wrestling, right? And that's the Four Horsemen and the NWO. Now, I know you, you can include guys, and I know there's going to be people who say, well, what about Evolution? What about Bullet Club? What about, right? Now, Evolution is top five faction of all time. I don't know if I'd say they're better. I like them better than the Bloodline, though. I just, I don't know. Um, They're top five, for sure. I never watched the Bullet Club, again. So I'm not going to put them on a list if I never watched them. I don't care about how good the, the indie fans say they are. The Bullet, I, I, don't, I never watched the Bullet Club. So I don't care about the Bullet Club. We're going to forget it. To me, they don't exist. Now, that's stupid to say. Because obviously they exist, but I've never watched them, so how do I know what to judge them on? Because the current Bullet Club right now sucks ball sack. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Right? So, but let's just be objectively honest for a minute. If it's not the Four Horsemen, and it's not the NWO, who who else can beat them? Because honestly, like, if you can name me a faction who can beat the Four Horsemen... Or we can beat the NWO. Okay, we can consider that. But but it's either NWO or it's Four Horsemen as one and two. And, and you can put them in any order. I, I'd be fine with any of, of the two being number one. I lean more towards NWO. I think it meant a lot more to the industry as a whole. But the Four Horsemen were just as influential at that time. So those are the top two. Without a doubt to me, I think it's a recency biasy thing with putting the bloodline at number three. You could maybe offer, you know, evolution in there as well. Um, but it all really just depends on what you would consider a faction. And and uh, um, so with those two topics, let me know what you guys think. I want to know your opinions. And then... Uh, we can, uh, I would love to have that discussion, um, in the discord. All right. So we'll, we're going to end this with my segment titled WWE is just fucking cooking right now, man. All three shows are just hitting on different levels. So I'm going to talk about each show individually for a few minutes. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, but so raw to me is hitting. It's hitting a lot better than it used to. Now raw's problem I've diagnosed the problem with Raw is that it's three hours long, right? And so a lot of times the show feels like it's five hours long because segments drag on. You have to have a lot of filler. If they could just get it down to where... If if USA could stop just making... Because I'm assuming it's a network issue, that the network wants three hours for Raw. On Monday night, that uh, that ha- that's my assumption. Um, and so, if Raw could become a two-hour show, I and, and that, that that meaning that they could take out a lot of the fluff, I think it would be one of the best things in wrestling. There's a lot of good on Raw right now. Judgment Day, I'm all sold on Judgment Day right now. Imperium, I'm sold on Imperium. Let's talk about Judgment Day. I'm so fucking sold on... I used to think... Like, in the last year, they've gone from being 
complete waste of time joke to I think they're about to be the hottest fucking thing in wrestling. That there's a part of me that that truly believes that Finn Balor wins the championship at, at Money in the Bank. Rhea keeps her title. I think Dominic's going to beat Cody. And I th- th- there's a part of me that believes that Priest wins Money in the Bank. There's a real, real, real good part of me that believes that Priest wins Money in the Bank. I really believe that that could happen. And so I think Judgment Day is about to be the hottest thing on Monday Night Raw. And I'm all here for it. I'm all here for it. Like, honestly, Judgment Day has really gotten over with me. I'm so hyped on Judgment Day. With with the rumored J.D. McDonough edition, I'm going to be so hyped with it. Um, I want to back up for a second, though. This sort of connects. The talk about factions is funny. Because I believe, I don't know if I've said this before or not, but I believe that WWE is going to move to a more New Japan style of, of, of booking where everyone essentially will... Uh, not everyone, but a majority of the roster, I feel, will be in some sort of faction. So if you watch New Japan... Now, I haven't watched New Japan in several years. Like I don't ever really think I ever really watched it like consistently. But I used to be more into it. And they had like three major factions. I think they had Chaos was the name of one of them. Uh, Los, Los Enganables dead Japan or the ungovernables in Japan um, and then Bullet Club right but and, and, and each faction had like a, I don't even know how many members but like six seven eight ten members and everyone just represented a separate faction and I think WWE maybe is going towards that because you have Judgment Day you have Imperium and there's rumors Imperium's gonna add, add Dragon off yeah, of course you have the bloodline, which you could put anyone that has any Pacific Islander, Samoan uh, origin there, right? Um, you have, you know, you can create, like, the Hurt Business could be a faction, and you could recreate them and just start putting people in it. Um, LWO could be a faction, Right, and so I I don't know if they're going to, but it it would not surprise me if if that's the direction they head into. I don't know. I kind of think that would be an interesting thing to do. Let me know what you guys think. Like like I don't think they go all the way, but it would not surprise me if they do. But anyway, back to current product cooking, just straight cooking. So Raw's only problem right now is it's three hours long, and a lot of it is fluff. And so it feels like it drags on. But the parts of, of Raw that everyone likes, right, the, right, the last two weeks of Raw for me, I, I felt like B-plus, A-plus show minus the filler. The filler is what brings it down. And if we could just take that out, you'd have an A show every single week. I, 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 it's cooking. right? Judgment Day's cooking. Seth versus Finn is cooking. Uh, the Imperium stuff. Kevin Owens is fucking hilarious. 
Um, it's just it's just cooking right now. They're just right. SmackDown is cooking. The Bloodline story is cooking. Just when you think it's over, right? E two J E two. You know, Michael Cole said that U two J E two brute as uh, old uh, Caesar. Uh, the uh, the original Caesar when he was assassinated by Brutus is his right hand man, E two brute. J right hand J Uso the right hand man. Y'all y'all not picking up on this shit. Come on. Does it t- does it take me being a history? Uh, that was my major in college before I dropped out. I don't think it takes a very elementary... It doesn't take much more than an elementary understanding of history to understand what is going on right now. This is literally the crumbling of the Roman Empire. Quite literally. E2J, you're going to... And now we get a civil war? First, I mean, that's a dumb fucking wait. I think they're moving it a little bit too fast, but I think that there's a lot that they can do because I don't think the Civil War is just going to end at Money in the Bank. I think it leads into SummerSlam. After that, you get payback. I think you could have a story with that. You don't necessarily need Roman, but after that, they just announced I think October is going to be Fast Lane. November is going to be Survivor Series. So you have four months. SummerSlam, Payback, Fastlane, Survivor Series. December, they normally take off. In December. And then January's Royal Rumble again. And now you're getting ready for WrestleMania. We're almost done with like... The the, the boring part of the year is almost over. And it hasn't been boring. I think WWE has been better post-WrestleMania. Than we typically get. Like like the, the months post WrestleMania tend to be very boring. With SummerSlam sprinkled in, Money in the Bank sprinkled in a little bit, but everything else leading from Mania to Survivor Series, you take out Money in the Bank, you take out Survi- uh, excuse me, SummerSlam, everything in between is boring. But I think we got a lot cooking right now. And it's flavorful. There's some seasoning in these storylines. NXT remains the best fucking thing in wrestling. I don't think there's anything better than NXT right now. It's just pure entertainment. And it doesn't have to be like serious and... It's just... Shawn Michaels is cooking. Triple H is cooking. I'm sure Vince is involved. I saw something on Twitter saying that this past Monday, Vince had a big part in it. He said that he could just tell from the show. I don't know how he... I think he's just saying that to get clicks. It felt like a Triple H show to me. But if... I think Vince has really stepped back, and I think he's allowed Triple H to do what he wants to do. He gives his suggestions. Of course, Vince is going to give his suggestions. But but it's not bad, right? 
we're cooking right now. We're cooking right now. This is I I personally think this is the best WWE has been in a while. I don't even want to say how long. It's just been a while. I can't even remember the last time I felt this excited about WWE programming. I think all three shows are hitting right now, at least for the last like two to three, four weeks. They've just been hitting. They're cooking right now. They're in their zone. And when WWE is in their zone, when they're doing things to the best of their ability, they're the best damn show in this industry. They're the best. They're the top company for a fucking reason. They're cooking. And so, I don't know. What do you guys think? That's what we're in the show. This is the, in the Discord, if you're in the Discord, if you're not and you're and if you're a listener to listen, you haven't joined the Discord yet. Casual community on YouTube. Subscribe there. Give Nerdy D all the love. Um, in his videos, click the link to join the Discord. Join the conversation. If you're already in the Discord, I want to know what you guys think. Is the am I the only one? Am I the only one that thinks that WWE is cooking on all three shows? Am I being a little biased here? Tell me who you think the greatest faction of all time is. Tell me who you, who would you put on your all-time jobbers list? Am I am I crazy with my list, right? Um, let me know what you guys think about everything that I talk about. Give some suggestions of what you want what you want to hear. It, it really does make it easy for me to, uh, to, to to do this with your suggestions. Come, I'm an awful planner. I wait to right before I fucking start recording. Like, what do I want to talk about? And there's very little research that goes into it. Um, unless I really need to research something. Um, and so let me know what you want to hear. I want to make content for you guys. Um, and I appreciate the listens. Um, the lastly, if you've made it this far, uh, please leave some sort of, if you're listening on Spotify or Amazon, if you could just leave a thumbs up or, you know, any sort of review or rating, just, uh, put us in that algorithm, uh, share the podcast out to people, you know, who want to listen to it. Um, that would be wonderful. Thank you all for listening and I will see you on Saturday's episode of the slapping me to wrestling podcast.